Welcome to the Sounds of the World. We are your hosts, Hillary and Bill. Together, we're going to travel around the world to discover new music, discuss musical topics, and interview fascinating people. Our world is a buffet of music, and it is time to eat. wonderful double guest episode uh our first guest music has been described by the classical voice america as a dizzling sophisticated reverie colorful and energetic the guardian says she takes even more radical line with creating dense and pulsing textures and her music has the capacity to immerse the hall into a dark multi-channel throat and hissing her music has been performed worldwide by many acclaimed ensembles including the san francisco youth orchestra Ensemble Modern, Wayfiled Ensemble, and many more. She has been performed at the Mostly Mozart Festival, the Kennedy Center, Lincoln Center, Ercom Manifest Academy, and many more. She was born and raised in Iran, but moved to Austria in 2005 to pursue her undergrad at the University of Music and Performing Arts in Graz. She has studied with Clemens Gardenstadter, Christian Uda, Beat Fuhrer, and Pierluigi Ballone. She is currently residing in San Diego, where she's finishing her PhD in music composition under Rand Steiger at the University of California, San Diego. Our other guest is also from Iran. Uh, I've had the opportunity, the wonderful opportunity to meet this person and share not just the stage, but the classroom with her at Louisiana State University. Her music has also been performed nationally and internationally with upcoming performance in Romania. She was just named the recipient of a $15,000 commission by the 2019 Women Composers readings that will result in a brand new orchestral piece. Uh, it was pretty exciting to read that in her, her news blast. That was awesome. Uh, she received her undergrad at the University of Tehran and finished her PhD at Louisiana State University under the guidance of Dinos Constantinides. Please welcome to our humble podcast, Anahita Abbasi and Nilafar Avani. Woo! <laughs> Hi. Hello. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Well, thank you so much for being here. It's it's a it's a great honor to to meet you, Anahita, and of course to see you again, Nilafar. Same, the honor is mine. <laughs> I'm really excited for this episode. Just I love connecting with female composers, and as one myself, I just I get really excited when I get to meet other female composers, absolutely crushing it in their in their field. So I'm really excited to talk with you guys today. Thank you. So exciting. Thanks. So I guess, of course, the big question, uh, especially for me, was uh, what is it like being a female Iranian composer in America? I think this question has uh, um, three components inside. One is being a female and then being Iranian and then America. 
first. Well, I think being a female composer everywhere in the world means complete dedication to what you do and 100% motivation because there may be less opportunities for a female composer than a male. So to me, it means being in a market very active and productive. Then being an Iranian composer means that you should be a good representative of your culture and your people. Most often when people here in the United States hear that you are an Iranian composer, they kind of expect you to, to have a new voice that they have not heard before. This sometimes brings me a, a responsibility to find something new, which has an essence of Iranian culture and adds something new to the, to the Western music. And the third component, America to me, uh, means a ton of opportunities that are available because of all backgrounds and perspectives, particularly female composers. Wow, I just wanted to, to touch base on the, the expectation um, of trying to represent your culture. That's, I mean, the Iranian culture. I mean, does that feel like a, a burden on your shoulders or is it kind of a liberating more like, okay, this is a creative challenge, but I guess like for me, my, my brain immediately goes to like, wow, that's a lot of pressure. Like, cause you're trying to find your own voice and, and, and be who you are. And, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's, that's interesting to hear that. But, uh, I think it's, it's not that kind of a pressure or a barrier. It's more like, um, it's more like a motivation to go and explore uh, new words and bring them into what you already do. It's, it's, and it's not um, a must. So uh, you, you, may, you may compose a music uh, which, is, which is abstract and does not relate to anything, even, even in, in, the, in the essence of sound. But you may also feel like that, um, to me, it's, it's, it's just like that, that um, most of the time I feel like that, I need to uh, go and find something which is which people um, um, are are less familiar with and are are more interested to hear. Yeah, absolutely. I guess that's that's pretty cool because it it seems like just you know you kind of get this world to dive into and trying to bridge the gap between these two sound worlds and that's really cool. <laughs> exactly. I totally agree with um, what Nilufar mentioned. I think. Um, there are different perspectives uh, when it comes to thinking about uh, what does it mean to be an Iranian woman composer in the United States at this moment. One thing that I can say for sure is that 2020 now, it's it, every craziness that is happening still all around us in, in everything. <laughs> it is still a, a very good time in compared to previous years for Iranian women composers to have their pieces heard and, and that they also, they get to know each other, they have contacts. Um, many years ago when I was in Europe, I did not know any Iranian women Iranian composers till like the first time that I was in Dono Eschingen, just by walking in the street and they were like, are you Iranian? Yes, I'm, oh, are you a composer? That was the first time I met like one of the Iranian women composers. So in 2020, this is a this aspect of it is actually in favor of <laughs> Iranian women composers, and 
Yeah, I mean, it was nice, uh, interesting to hear that Nilfar, what you mentioned about expectation, and Hilary, what, and also also your comment, because I think every composer, regardless of uh, nationality and background and cultural background, and they, in order for their voice to get to be heard, every artist they go through a lot, and that kind of like expectation is something very communal, I think, for every background and. I think in every, um, when you're coming from a country that is represented in the world in with many different <laughs> ways and like colors, <laughs> positive and negative ones, it's, it's, it's not going to be that easy. But at the same time, for me, I think I dealt in my head with this in Europe a lot before coming to the US, because I think there was this this side of like being this exotic Iranian woman composer aspect that time many I mean it's I'm talking about 2008 9 10 and something that I did not want it to get there I wanted people to want to listen to my music because of uh, my music because of the quality of my music and how they feel it how they perceive it and I think with the years I somehow like get rid of thinking that as a responsibility of like in a pressure way and in like a negative way. But I think it's a it's always good to have any uh, motivational positive thing. So it's if it that's giving to you Nilfar, that's actually good. <laughs> I haven't I haven't thought of that for at all actually. That's why I'm like thinking about it. Have I ever thought of this in this way? But maybe it's been a very long time that I haven't been in Iran and I left Iran when I was 19 years old. So um about that too. Yeah. And then you talked about opportunities. That's absolutely true. There are a lot of opportunities, great ensembles, great musicians. And I think paying attention to the gender equality is more here in the US uh, in compared to other places in the world. And this is, of course, um, a great thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, it's just so exciting to hear other, you know, just other, like that female perspective. And I think I think we want to feel like we're treated as equally as our male counterparts, but I know it's, it's just, it comes up regardless. Um, and whether that's, I, I feel like I had the opposite experience. Um, I did my master's over in England at the university of, of Birmingham. And I had, I had a, a male student comment who was like, and he meant really well, but he was like, you're only here because you're female and they're looking for diversity. And he meant well by it, but I was like, well, yeah, but I still had to pass my entrance exam, you know, like I still had to qualify to be here. And it was just, that was the first time I'd ever heard someone been like, well, of course you got in, like you're female and that's what they're trying to do at the moment. It's like just a, one of those probably toxic masculine comments that flies out of people's mouths. But I'm like, dude, you have no idea. Like, I don't know. It's like in my program, I don't know about your programs, but it was like, I was the only female composer in my my year level at the University of Montana where I did my undergrad and there was a gal two years ahead of me and a couple gals a couple years below me but it was like those are isolating experience um have you guys dealt with that in your programs not only being female but you know being isolated because you're the foreigner <laughs> for lack of a better term you know I always felt that over in England has that impacted your studies at all or given you any weird experiences or offhand comments <laughs> Based on my experience, uh, and uh, first of all, that was a terrible thing that, that your classmate told you. I'm so sorry to hear that. No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, 
for for my masters uh, that was uh, at University of Tehran, and we were actually I think we were eight, and three of us were were female, so I was not alone, and I think um, that was not that much a difference between being a male or a female composer. I, I've I've never I've never felt that feeling that I am I am a female and I am kind of isolated even in, in Iran. But the problem was, was that the, the opportunities that are available, both male and female, um, as uh, Anahita mentioned, there are much more uh, opportunities here. And yeah, uh, I mentioned that particularly for, for female composers, we can see some, some opportunities that are particularly for, for female composers and, you know, other underrepresented uh, groups, which is very precious to me, and uh, I think which is very important for for every um, uh, community to have such opportunities. You mentioned something really interesting, uh, and I reminded of I wanted to say something regarding to the previous question. So, to me, also myself uh, in Austria, I had some female colleagues, but it was mostly the Asian community that they were only hanging out with themselves. So, and they were not that many. So, and I think what I felt most of the time, I was not even thinking about me being the only female. I was thinking we were all the young composers that we wanted to find our space and we didn't have that space. And uh, it was not easy at all. And this was um, uh, something that we all shared. Every composition student, I think, shared that. And that led me and my friends when we were in Graz to um, found Schaffert Ensemble in order to make the music of the young composers heard and be their ambassadors and just not go to the program and have the same, uh, very hear the same established composers all the time, which is awesome, of course, but um, we all need to like go through these in order to find ourselves and hear our music. So at that time, I think when we found it, when I found a child with my friends in Austria, that was my highlight. I was not thinking about a female and male. At the same time, every, every festival that I went, and it is now at this time much, much better, but still till 2016, every festival that I went in Europe, between maybe like, I don't know, 90, 100 people, active composers, two were female. I mean, I was happy that I'm the one of those, but I found it so unfair and it was an uncomfortable situation also. And that was the first time to like making me basically like seeing it from this, this perspective. And also when I joined UCSD, it was the first time that I had a lot of female colleagues, female professors. I, and I, it made me actually understand, wow, this is very different. And I did not even know that it's different. And I don't know even if it's um, how if it's, it shows how the society corrupted it is to like not even being aware of like something that you do not have. And when you see it that you, and you feel it that you that's a very different. Yes, it's something else um, and you have never experienced it. So it was something really touching and beautiful for me. All of these things led later on to like found Ifka with my two other friends. And I think if I did not uh, went go, have gone to the experience that I went through UCSD, I wouldn't have, I'm not even sure if, if I would have like been 
So IFCA would have happened, or like at least for me, me parting being part of the IFCA. So um, yes, and something else that Nilofar mentioned, I think, also to the question of like Iranian women in the America in America, is that I think every every composer, regardless of gender, most more female in part of female more of course, but like regardless of gender, coming from Iran, if they are uh, already well known in the scene and they have frequently concerts, it means they have worked so hard in their lives, maybe three times, four times, five times harder than many other people from different countries uh, for them to be that place that in at, at this moment, regardless of the niveau or like the taste, the colors of their music, that's not even important. If, if they are coming to a professional level, it means they have worked a lot and they have so much passion and they already overcome so much in their life because it is not easy to come from a country that does not even recognize the music and being a musician as like anything basically. And still till this day, if there is a concert, if they are showing a concert, you're not seeing instruments and performers on the TV. They're not, they're showing flowers. So yes. <laughs> and also probably you've heard about the female voice that they're not, it's not allowed to be heard alone. So that Islamic rule but like the other thing i feel still it's so strong that imagine if you're come like how how someone can become actually you know a real musician so i have respect i think and with more years and years you will understand this better i think i have a lot of respect for everyone every artist and musicians i can say now in my field composers who are now working and writing for people around the world I have chills from that, Sarah. That was beautiful. <laughs> well, and it's so powerful I think, to hear, just to hear you say, like how much how much work goes into these things, and you're not just being chosen, you know, based on just something that doesn't have to do with your music. It's you, know, you put those hours in, and you put that time in, and you you've developed your craft, and just oh, sorry, that was just very touching and beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, it's exactly. It's about um, having so much passion that every possible obstacle you can you can somehow it will pass you will be able to like go forward and because you are you have this like dream and uh, that you want to get somewhere and i think that is the thing that let all these people achieve achieve more things and not like in between say that okay let's do something else and why even i'm doing this which is a question I think of every creative person here and there in their lives. And I want to add to, to Anahita that she's completely uh, right that uh, Iranian artists have to deal with a lot of, you know, concerns and they need to, to work double, triple as, uh, uh, you know, uh, other, maybe other. It's crazy to think just, you know, the idea that you could have a concert on and we are so used to seeing the performers on stage. And even though we know that music is an aural thing, we still like, we like to see the people on the stage. Uh, people are accepting more now about, you know, even performers during ballets or operas, you know, maybe stationed on stage with the performers, the vocalists. Um, but then to have nothing but just like flowers showing up on your TV. I mean, that's, that's, 
that's astonishing. <laughs> I'm trying uh, to wrap my head around that. I just, I mean, for lack of a better word, I'm completely ignorant. So. Well, right, right. Exactly. Oh my gosh. That's just, oh man, that gives me so much to think about. <laughs> yeah. And these are the things that everyone, every, I think every Iranian is like part of normal, normal part of their lives, which is actually something really huge. And when you really think about it, and which means that we, that person has to go to so much to even see other instruments, be able to have access to know what is, what is this other instruments in a symphony orchestra. Um, and I mean, Nilofar knows, Ken talked about that. If we are going that, if we, we went, we were going to that direction because she studied in Iran. I left Iran when I was 19 and, um, yeah so um i she went probably through a lot of really crazier crazy things in her life for her to be, be here today at this moment yeah to get back to uh, maybe your musical life like when did you start like really getting into composition and kind of that whole process so i'm not coming from a musical family <laughs> i'm coming from a family of doctors and engineers it's a very typical thing in iran too <laughs> like either it's that's like typical family but no but it, from the family that they have a lot of passion and love for music so i grow up in our house uh, listening to Western classical music because my dad has these tapes of like Beethoven, Mozart, and uh, I was, I, although being in Iran, unfortunately, I haven't actually learned the Persian classical music at all. So I grew up uh, completely with Western uh, classical music. So I started um, learning music when I was eight years old uh, with a kind of Karl Orff method. 
for kids to like find out um, what kind of instrument they want to play and like to understand the rhythm and these kind of things. And before that time, I wanted to become the next Marie Curie and become an inventor. And that was my passion. And I was sure I read the posters of her was in my wall. But when I got introduced to music, that dream like completely changed. And I knew that, oh, I, I want to be a composer. And I started like even from like when I was 10 years old, uh, writing little songs for school. And uh, so that had that was it's a kind of like a dream that I have been doing that for a very long time. Of course, it changed and changed. And uh, thank God it got better. You get more experience and like craft. But uh, yeah, so I studied in in, in Shiraz. My time, um, um, there were no like conservatory for girls. So there was only like one conservatory in Tehran and only for also boys. So um I, it's, it's a very typical way of to learn music is to go to private institutes. So I was going to a private institute and learning music theory, harmony, and piano. And, um, so I spent my, basically my, uh, teenager time, uh, writing inventions and like preludes and fugues and like analysis because I loved analysis and modulations, these kind of things, singing in a choir, um, playing piano. Uh, and like winning um, prizes for like festivals but I did I had this kind of like love-hate relationship to piano so I was like winning the prize and I was like I'm not going to touch this instrument again at all like not a few months like not even like looking at it and then like going back to it so I think being a performer is really hard <laughs> and so I really knew that I am not going to be a performer I don't have that patience so to like really work on some things I thought I had respect to all the performers all around the world yes so and I knew pretty early that I um I do want to leave Iran uh and it happened a few times because there were um in Shiraz it was many years the cultural um what is it? And now I'm only German, Hauptstadt, part cultural um, center of Iran uh, because of all the poets and um, botanic garden, gardens and everything. So there were a lot of like music groups coming from Austria and Germany. And I have um, uh, absolute pitch, perfect pitch. So it was a kind of like showing I was, I could understand a lot of things by just listening. And so I could have a conversation with them. And I was like a little kid. So every time it made me like, oh, I want to be there. I want to be where they are. They, they learn music and I can do that. And uh, it was always fascinating for me. And uh, yes, so when I was like 18 and I really wanted to like leave Iran, my parents were like, you know, if you can uh, live on your own in Tehran and survive, <laughs> you can survive everywhere on the planet. So this is your chance to try. Let's have that one year. And I started to like learn, uh, study at the university um, in um, English literature because my English was good and I was fond of like literature. So it was, I didn't want to go to music university because my like private students were like going to music university at that time. And I felt like this is not the place I want to be. And I want to just leave, but I want to still like go through the experience of like going through university life. And that's, um, and then I did some research and found that Graz is a really good center for like composition and applied for, um, uh, the entrance exam and went there. And 
normally we always have to like wait for such a long time to get the visa and then again be able to go back but i got somehow lucky and one of the last people from that group of type of visa that when i went there i could have stayed so in one month my visa came and i knew that i'm gonna live in i'm leaving iran and i was i was not prepared actually for that at all like i remember i called my dad and he didn't even know that i applied I, we had this conversation but it was on me and I did everything my, by myself. So it was like, what? Are you sure? Like, you're really doing this? It's like, yes. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. So it was a kind of like shock for my parents. We did it, but like, no, we were not expecting it to happen. Yes. And the 10, almost 10 years living in Austria and in Europe traveling has been amazing. It's, uh, I think when you're between your 19 till 29, it's like, these 10 years that you experience a lot it's your your, your character is going to get built and um yeah and at the beginning i didn't actually study composition in Graz because when i came although i wanted to i found i felt i went to a concert the night before my entrance exam it was um 100 year anniversary of like um for all the Graz composers and everyone wrote like a one minute piece and I was the first time I'm sitting in a contemporary music concert. And for me, it was horrible. I could not understand anything. And in my head, I could like hear the pitches, everything. And I was like, what is this? I've never heard anything like a hundred minutes without any break. So it was like <laughs> to my face. So the next day in the exam and I had a fever, I got a cold and I, I told them, I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, this is not what I wanted to do. I had this composition is not this for me. So I don't, I don't even know if I want to do this. So, but I'm good in theory and I, I like analysis. So I studied actually at the beginning, uh, music theory only. And, but I went to a lot of concerts because we don't have that also in Iran. Every day I was at a concert, any concert, be open-minded, be at the library, just study and, uh, be open to perceive this new thing that I have. I have a lot of like information about. The fundamentals of music but from a completely different perspective so it took a while but then after three four years um i understood how i'm doing this and i came back to composition and yes and and then studied composition um yeah but i the, there was till till i think 2011 i count myself actually a composition student. I don't count myself as a composer uh, because, um, yeah, I was having concerts here and there in Austria, but there were so many questions in my head, like, why am I doing this? There are so many amazing composers everywhere, composition students from many countries. Why they, someone wants to listen to my music and like, how can I write it that it's mine, that it's really my music? So I gave myself a kind of like an ultimatum one year time in the middle of like my studies. I will do this year work, like think and research. And if I found what I'm looking for, which I couldn't even like say what I was looking for, but there was a sense of feeling, uh, I'm okay. If not, I can do other things. I have other talents and other things and it's not that late. I can still do other things in my life. And it was a coincidence that I went to uh, Amsterdam to this Atlas Academy, which is an academy uh, mixed with a lot of masters from different countries. So an ensemble, for example, in a string quartet is uh, is mixed with like Arhu, 
Comanche. So masters from every country, they really chose best performers. So there are like for every, basically every cultural background and instrument, there is one really amazing person there. And that's, that was the time also that I got introduced more to the Persian classical music. And being there, working with those people, somehow something clicked in my head that all these like extended techniques, techniques of composition, Western classical music, Persian, this, that, actually at the end of the day, all of them are music. That's it. It's not about this and that. All these like extended techniques that in a Western classical we think like that about them. In different culture, this is their normal way of playing that instrument thousands of years and it's not even an ex this is a very normal way of thinking of playing that instrument the colors and um it somehow freed me so this kind of like st being stuck to not know even like what i want to do it made me like being able to like be imaginative and think and like go and understand that like for me as a composer uh, I'm a composer, I'm the listener, I'm the philosopher, I'm the storyteller, I'm all of these things. If I want my music to have the same effect when I was listening to those masters performing. So from that moment, I started to have a lot of concerts. And then I think from that time, I can call myself a composer. And uh, the main aspect has been just going to the people that I am admiring them contacting them, asking them to collaborate together and get to know each other and learn from them. Also, uh, composition, amazing compositions like George Apeagis, one of those that I just met George and I, I asked him, like, I want to show you my music. And it was like, just come to my house in Paris. We'll work. So this is how I worked with Apeagis and changed my life, you know. But I was, I was having like three jobs in Austria in order to be able to pay my rent and like do my everything, but also travel. It's not easy to do that all the time, but I would have not changed anything. So during that 10 years, I actually had only a bachelor degree. So <laughs> because for me, I was not even thinking about that. I was just really traveling around, working with people, learning, 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 really collaboration with, from every perspective. And then at some point after shop opening, creating Shopit, I felt that I am done becoming the person from the third world countries, that I need to have three different jobs. One of them is the best. One of them is like teaching at a school to kids piano. And I, I'm like wasting my time instead of like being able to have the time to focus on the thing that I, I know I can and actually find myself. I might uh, like um, understand my music better and like be a composer become like a better composer um but i was not having that opportunity there so that's how i applied to united states and i was thinking like i need to go to a place that they have they uh respect my uh knowledge and they trust me enough to give me an opportunity that i can actually sit down and do the thing that I want to do and like understand how to do this, you know? So, and I'm very, very grateful. It was a huge risk for me coming from Europe when I was started to get like fame, famous, I would like a lot of people perform my music, which is a really hard thing, but I felt like this is so necessary and I am so happy that I did that. 
probably has been one of the best decisions of my life. And although a lot of other things with the travel ban and other things happened that has been really sad and like made my life really hard during the past years. But on the other side, I have uh, really entered to a different world, a world that I could have for the first time a space to like contact, communicate with other people about my creations and really invest my time on composition, which is very important, I think for everyone. So I was just like Panahita, I was born and raised in Iran. Uh, almost no one in my family had musical background, so I was the first. Uh, at age 15, after um, several years of lessons in piano solfege, I decided uh, that I want to go to, to high school, which seemed a weird <laughs> decision to my parents at the beginning. Uh, but uh, when they found that uh, this is truly my interest and this is something that I want to do for, for the rest of my life, um, they, they, they did whatever they could to, to support me. Uh, my father bought me a, a nice brand new piano a few months later and I officially started my academic education in, in music. Uh, later, I studied very hard to, to enter the music program at the University of Tehran which is, you know, the, the highest ranked university in the country to do my uh, bachelor's degree in, in piano performance. And during that time, I started to realize that uh, I am much more interested uh, in what is being a musical school. I mean, the, the actual analysis and composition process of that interested in performance. And um, I was very lucky to meet the famous composer, Dr. Ali Reza Mashaiti at the time. And he was very kind and generous to, to help me open my eyes into the world of composition uh, by mentoring and teaching me for, for a while. 
and then later I began my master's degree, um, more music, a master's degree in music composition at the same university. So I was composing a lot more and I was doing a lot more, you know, compositional activities. Um, and again, I was very, very, ha you know, fortunate to have great teachers. Uh, they, they were all graduates of top-ranked universities around the world, uh, which came back to the country after graduation. So um, I studied under under them, and I graduated. And again, I, I sat down and uh, thought that okay, I, I need to I need to meet. Um, more people i need to i need to continue my education um and um that was for sure because uh, there there was um, there was no doctorate degree in music composition at the time in iran i i think there's a still none so yeah so so i applied to different universities in canada and united states uh, and it, and this time I was again very very lucky to to meet um, Dr. Dinus, the, the, the you know world recognized composer, Dr. Dinus Konstantinides at Louisiana State University, and he accepted me into the program to to the PhD program and offered me a graduate assistantship position, and I, I studied under under him for for almost five years. And served as his grad assistant, and he helped me a lot to, to to learn about various aspects of music composition, music industry. Helped me have have opportunities, collaborative opportunities with, you know, excellent artists, and you know, so many other things. So here I am, five years later. I graduated four months ago in June, and here I am. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh man just amazing to hear I don't know I just love, love hearing these stories and I just thank you so much for sharing that I think it's it's interesting coming from um like both of you guys came from from families where music wasn't really prominent and, and finding your way um do you find that that's kind of tricky being you know the the daughter of you know some, of your parents who who did they were it sounds like they were very supportive though um i grew up my father's an engineer as well and i know we had to have a, a heart-to-heart -heart conversation when i because I, I originally went into engineering and uh yeah. all my time looking at programs of what else to do and i finally had to have that conversation that said i'm gonna turn down my engineering scholarship and go pursue music <laughs> um but he, and it took him a while to come around, but he's one of my biggest fans now, and he's he's an excellent supporter. But did you guys have to have that that talk with your parents? Definitely, yeah. Um, uh, I, and I was very young. Um, I, I I told you that I was fifteen. Uh, and I was very good in math and science, so everybody was was against me going to the to the music school because they they. Yeah, they they wanted me to to be a doctor, an engineer, or you know, other, do other science. So in that age, that was kind of weird and you know maybe shocking to my parents. They had they had they had to lose, and I think they 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 did something. They did very very good to to support me because um, if they didn't support me. 
or or were against what I want what what I wanted to do, then um, my my path would have been uh, changed completely. So yeah, to me that happened at at a very early age, and then it was you know music from from the beginning from 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 the the time that I had the opportunity to begin. I, I think. Um, in Iran, there's there's only one uh, one place that you can you can start music even sooner, three years sooner, from your uh, middle school. That was a hard decision. Yes, I had a pretty similar story. So I I did music for from like when I was eight, but around I was always also like great at math and physics and uh, this kind of like um competitions between between the cities and between like the schools um and um um around when i was 15 also that was a time that i decided i do not want to be a great student at school anymore because i cannot be both in both things good i don't have the energy anymore and um that's the time that i had this talk with my parents and they were both very supportive, but school was crazy for them. Was like, how can you even think of this? And for them, as Nikifran mentioned, they were thinking if someone is good in mathematics and physics or like in um, biology or something, music you can have a you can be a musician as a hobby. You don't need to have like your life in it. So I had like hours of talks with my school. So one day, my dad they asked my parents to come to the school and. Um, my dad is a neurosurgeon, but he's coming from a very poor family, actually, and he had to work so hard, like studying with the lights in the street and like work so hard to become this person and then moved from Iran, went to Johns Hopkins. It was a did his residency there and traveled all around and then came back to Iran because they didn't have any neurosurgeons and he came back from the war and like to help people. And then he stayed. So he went there and said, like, you know, I became this person because this was my passion. I didn't become because it's good to become a doctor at all. So if her passion is to go for music, then she should do that. And if she hit a wall and does not want to do it, then it's okay. Then she can do any other things. But I believe that if this is her passion, um, so um, she should go ahead and <laughs> pursue that. So, um, yeah, both my parents were support. And as in the first, I I've had many other friends of mine that their parents were not supportive. I know so many really hard stories, really hard stories that they did not prevent them like, to study music. But I am also like in the first, we were lucky that I think our parents felt how important for us it is and they respected our decision and uh, had our back <laughs> and supported us with anything that they could. It's interesting to hear you guys talk because I think I just had a similar story like I went into the sciences because I was a rock star at them but I hated it <laughs> like I had no joy doing it I was like yeah I'm really good at calculus but at the end of the day it just it didn't make my heart sing um so it's I don't know it's just very cool to hear that you know that happens universally <laughs> yes absolutely you know in america we're always taught that like iran if the child wants to do something separate from the parents then it's like a huge deal and uh you know they always kind of lump them and maybe india and stuff together and they're like they only want you to be a doctor a lawyer or an engineer you know 
and to hear like I mean you still had to do some convincing um, but the passion that you're able to exude to your parents that then they could be like okay this is this is something that we just have to let let happen and I mean that's as a parent myself <laughs> it's 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 amazing and uh, such a hard thing, you know, kudos to your parents. heritage affect or have influence on the type of music that you write? To me, there are different perspectives actually that I can look at this. First is that I have, unfortunately, I haven't really learned the Persian classical music. When I was in Iran and I got introduced, as I mentioned, in Amsterdam for the first time to really work with a Persian performer and understanding the music but looking at it from the perspective of western classical music although my ears could understand the all the microtones and everything because of also what i explained that to me i feel like it's about or composing music for me i'm always fascinated with sounds and their the energy that every sound and sound object had or and how um, what it's how we perceive them in different situations every piece that i write is actually comes from this kind of like fascination and exploration of sounds and then in the way it's always getting to know the performer work with the person getting the instrument in my hand and try it because of that approach i think i always let the sound to guide me like how to uh, compose my pieces and how the pieces get shaped um, but at the same time there are some other things that it's rooted i think in every person's coming from any culture so we have a very strong poetry in our literature and also the the iranian language the, the, the persian language uh when we're talking we have the ability to like with one word say different kinds of meanings a lot of time this is a very normal thing to do in a conversation um, and it allowed me, I think, to always be able to think multi-layers in everything in music that I do. And that's why how I'm also enjoying and fascinated with like creating different textures in my music. And my, my music is full of always like textures that are flowing, floating and going inside each other and like on top of each other. And how the, the patterns in the poetry the repetitions, the, the structure. I think I've been mostly uh, influenced by those things, actually, uh, um, because of not having, unfortunately, the knowledge. But may maybe if I was performing um, a Persian instrument, um, my approach would have been different. I wrote for them and I studied them, but I'm, I've never been a real performer for them, for those instruments. Just like Anakta, I did not have um 
any kind of education uh, on, on oppression instrument. I do know the knowledge and the theory, but uh, I cannot play any Iranian instrument. <laughs> and again, I think that um, of, uh, of, uh, Iranian music is affected by Iranian uh, literature. And we, we had a professor, uh, a college professor, who, who believed that Iran is the land of poetry. And he, he always insisted that um, Iran is famous in the world because of its poetry, not, not its music. <laughs> this is something that he believed. Uh, but, and yes, over the centuries, we had so many wonderful world-known uh, poets like Hafez, Sadi, Khayyam, Rudaki, Ferdowsi, and many more. Uh, so whenever I, I need to, to get inspired to, to write a new work, I go and study a piece of Persian literature and, and almost 99% it works. Uh, I got inspired and uh, I have some, you know, excellent musical ideas to work on. Um, so, uh, I, and it's true that I have literature as the source of inspiration for, for many of my works. Yeah, that's cool. I'm definitely going to have to look up some Persian poetry, some Iranian poetry, because I don't know any of it, you know. Like, I just started getting into German poetry maybe like three, four years ago, so I got to get out of Europe. <laughs> German is also really good, actually, but yes. There are nice translations. Rumi. Check Rumi. I think you would like Rumi. Oh, Rumi. Sorry. Tell us more about the IFCA. <laughs> yes. So uh, in 2017, I received a message on Facebook uh, from a composer named Yulufa Nurbash. And she introduced herself that she knows me and um, she's been like listening to my music. And, and she, she wanted to ask, uh, since I know I'm coming from Europe, uh, if I know other Iranian woman composers, because she has this idea to like, um organize a concert with the pieces by iranian woman composers and i was like oh it's really nice and yeah so i connected uh her with some other friends of mine that over the years i got to know them like three four five composers 
And uh, she also approached uh, Ida Shirazi, uh, another uh, wonderful uh, Iranian composer. And I think actually they knew probably each other, but anyway, so Ida also knew other people from her own background because we were all like scattered in the world and knew different people. So um, when Nilofar was like organizing this and talking to us, asked us to help her to like organize this concert, in our like sessions and meetings we felt like okay uh, wow we have we had no idea there are so many of us actually i'm like it's so bad that we don't even know each other at least we have no even heard each other's name and when we are coming from like such a country and like uh, it would be really nice to know who the other people are and like be as a community and um so this led us to a lot of like conversations and thinking like well maybe better instead of like uh, just a concert maybe we can uh, create an association uh, and with the good thing that we are three very different composers coming from very different backgrounds so we we know different people we have worked with different we have different connections uh, so with this we can uh, create opportunities and for other people who are either very young and starting now or um, they are already in the middle of their um, like years of composing but they haven't had the chance to have their music that much heard by uh, renowned ensembles and in festivals and venues and um, that's how uh, Iranian Female Composers Association so IFKA uh, got shaped and we had our first concert in National Sawdust, uh, the one that Nilufar um, organized, and um, and that and that concert, we invited um, a lot of people that we knew, and like a lot of people came because they were our friends and they wanted to see what is this. And uh, we, by now, it is like our um, almost like third year. Yes. Uh, we've had a lot of concerts and the list is growing. We are hoping that like more people, more artists can join us. And one other thing that was very important for us was that uh, we wanted to have this platform as a welcoming platform for everyone, every composer at any level and level, and that they do not feel that they are not good enough to be there. Uh, to be able to support them and also like create educational uh, opportunities, um, um, talks and master classes with performers, with other professor composition, like renowned composers, anything that people need, because again, mostly a lot of people in Iran, they do not have access to things. I mean, now, of course, 2020, it's everything on internet, although limited in Iran, it's much better and people have access to a lot of things. My time, I was like, putting all my money aside to go to this like one place in Tehran and buy one score of Beethoven and Haydn. That was like my highlight of my life. And there was no, this, this that you can send the PDF to someone of scores and like contemporary music, forget this at all. Generations changed, <laughs> thank God. But uh, still they do not have that much access to everything. So uh, our hope is to um, be able to like, um, basically that everyone know that we exist in order to be able to um, be there and have like be kind of like a hand and give them a hand and like help them to come to the scene and explore and talk with each other and collaborate and because we've all as different as we are uh, all of us 
uh, we we have some things in common and it's always such a beautiful feeling to share these things and function as a community and i think that is the most beautiful part of like making the ifka and that meeting that nilfar and i just like saw each other was that one we had a meetup in may on zoom and we invited all the members and almost everyone could join we were like almost 30 something people and it was the first time we're seeing everyone like we were been emailing them a lot with call for scores everything but we haven't met everyone even like we didn't know even how i mean saw some pictures on facebook but like we haven't ever like had a conversation so it was very emotional that day for uh us three Ida, Nidufer, and I, and um, to um, to finally, like, as a feeling like, wow, we're coming together, and now we're a lot of us, and we know each other, and, like, we're here for each other. So, um, Ifka is growing. We have a lot of, like, stuff happening around. Of course, the pandemic has, like, changed a lot of things, but um, we have sort of, like, to have some, some, like, online concerts by different members, and we're now in the middle of uh, organizing an amazing conference between us, the Shermin Iranian uh, Center in Princeton University, and in Germany, a musicologist, Yalda Yazdani, um, about the woman uh, music and woman of, in Iran and woman voice and singing. It's a two-day conference, one day in English, one day in, in Farsi. And we're inviting different old like generations of people who are active before or active now and it's going to be in a kind of like an online webinar uh, uh, form so we're now in in the middle of like working on that it's going to happen november 7th and 8th uh so pretty soon <laughs> it's a lot of work um yeah and uh other upcoming and everything projects that we had uh, uh, yeah i want to add that as a member, uh, I want to say that uh, IFCA has done a great job, as has done a you know awesome job in promoting the music of its members and the, the music and music career of its members, and also uh, providing them with with collaborative opportunities with artists. I had a couple of my works uh, performed by um, Iranian artists uh, through IFCA. And uh, they also did a great job in uh, uniting all of us together as a group, as, you know, female composers, uh, um, female Iranian composers living in different parts of the world. Thank you. You're, you're saying this. Thank you so much. It means a oh, lot to me. You. And I know to Nilufar and Ida to hear that. I'm already like my... my <laughs> <laughs> I remember the English word Gänsehaut in German. Like, um, so oh, thanks. Thank, thank you, you for all your great work. Because you know we were like, uh, this is something that we do out of our passion, our our time. We're not like getting paid. We haven't uh, we applied for all the grants, but we haven't received any basically yet. And I think we need to learn how to apply for grants. But this has been something that we all three invested, investing our time and energy because we feel like it's something. Uh, more important than us so um and hearing that uh from one of our members too that this has been something that you brought something to you guys this is what we wanted to do and um, hoping that it grows and grows and grows even uh, bigger and bigger thank you
Thank you so much and thanks for your support. I think the biggest reason that uh, we have been able to uh, be there for our members and create for them opportunities is the support that we received from our friends and colleagues that we know. So that's big concert that it's true. It's like a portrait concert and like everyone who did not know us heard us. And it was also an, the fact that um, International Contemporary Ensemble, who are one of the most fantastic ensembles in the world of contemporary music and human beings, were the ones who were um, um, basically presenting us. So, and this just happened because I worked with um, ICE International Contemporary Ensemble for in my orchestra piece in, in San Francisco, and they were like the soloists in my group and in the piece. and. That was our first time collaborating and we understood each other so well and a beautiful this relationship and friendship you know started and i was when that time we were talking about ifka and thinking about his concert um i remember like receiving an email from ross Carr, and ross was like anaida what are you doing like what are the other things that you do in your life and i was like this is and you know we're just doing this we have no idea but this is our dreams we want to do this it was just really thinking in our my head and thinking in our head and you know just come to our concert if you want and it was like yeah it sounds really nice and then ross came to our concert and after that we went out to drink and celebrate and we were sitting and like he had a list of like questions and things that i didn't even ask but from his perspective and he was so fascinated, like, Anahita, we can do something. We need to talk about this. So it started from that concert and Ross just having us friends, you know, trusting a friend and just coming to support a friend and uh, understanding and um, like basically believing in our dream. And um, it started like them being my friend, but now they are the friends and like the supporter of the whole IFCA and all the members, which is so beautiful, all the performers of International Contemporary Ensemble. So they worked a lot and pushed a lot actually that we can have that concert at this big important festival at Lincoln Center in order to like make like the world known that we exist. And since they are pretty well known, I think that that was the reason that um, uh, after that we got a lot of like attention and that concert was so special because it was packed it was people are sitting we're sitting on the stairs and the the person who was in the uh, near library public library said like we have never had this at all like at all ever like this packed and there were in it was an actually long concert um because we had in between q and a's and it took longer than like <laughs> as we expected uh, and but people were so engaged and i remember my piece was the last piece and my conversation actually took was become much longer but i was looking at people and thinking oh my god we need to like cut us and like just maybe just say two three sentences but like everyone was looking at me so engaged and i was like you know it's okay i mean it's gonna be like a bit 10 more minutes like longer i mean it's already a very long concert and after that, people were standing in line after this long concert to talk with us. And um, it was just so beautiful. It was a beautiful night. And then um, after that, we had already like many other concerts with uh, Ensemble.
been such a pleasure to talk with you guys and to hear just your amazing, diverse, beautiful stories. I now want to go read some poems. Uh, <laughs> I'm inspired to like look up Persian literature now. Um, this has just been an absolute pleasure to talk with you guys and just thank you so much for, for being on our show. Thank you. Thank you for wanting and like being eager to hear our stories and talk to us. And uh, it means a lot to me. I mean, you all know Nidufar, so you know how amazing and special she is, but we didn't know each other. So thank you for also having me here. And uh, it's um, it means a lot to us um, to to have people other than the community that maybe like we're now involved in that they are interested to hear what's happening and who we are and what we're doing. So um, yes, thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having us. It was a great, it's, it's a great pleasure, great opportunity. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And um, definitely we're going to share as much as we can. Thanks for listening to the Sounds of the World podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode. There are links to everything in the episode description and also on our website. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sounds of the World. To show support for Sounds of the World podcast, please join our Patreon, where you can have access to our after-party discussions with guests, discounted merchandise, and even more. If you have any questions, answers, or episode suggestions, please email us at Sounds of the world podcast at gmail.com. Well, Bill, I think I'm going to go have a beer now. Hey, there you go.